Welcome to the show. Paul George here. Great to be with you. Talking all things greatness today with the world famous Adam Conk. Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm great. How are you? You just hit me in the shoulder really hard. Sorry, I'm a little bit stronger than what I think. No, dude, I, I enjoyed it. So I got a horrible cold, man. It's like spring, summer cold. Do you ever get one of those? Yeah, and I don't understand it because to me, if I'm having a cold, shouldn't it be cold? But it's when it's warm, I don't know why I have a cold. I can accept the cold in the winter, but it's something about when it gets hot and you get a cold. So if I you sound know what I strange, bet you have what? allergies, man. Well, I think that's part of it. Yes, it's definitely part of it. So anyway, welcome to the show. Thanks for listening in today, <laughs> Paul George, we Adam. Have the Clark. strangest introductions uh, to shows. Yeah, talking all things art of living, man. Yeah. So, uh, so have you? Uh, I, I need to bring this up. I just need to talk it out. And I thought, what's the best place to talk this out? Ah, the radio show. So, um, yeah, have you seen this, Adam? What did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real, though. I am completely and totally for real. So there's so many layers to this, but. A few weeks ago, I posted this video on my Twitter, at Paul George II, and on my Facebook page. And it's a video of uh, a promposal. Have you ever heard of a promposal? No, but I can guess what it is. Yeah, so promposals are apparently this thing, which when I was in school was not a thing. Like no. if you ask someone to prom back in the day, you just went to them and you just said, hey, would you like to go to prom with me? Right. Or, the or dance, wrote it down on a note. Or wrote it on a note or whatever. I don't know. And yeah. they either said yes or no. But usually, like if you're a smart guy, like you would get the fillers out ahead of time. Like oh, you yeah. send a friend to kind of say, hey, you know, if Paul asked you to prom, would you say yes or would you say no? Mm -hmm. And then when you kind of have like a little clarity on like what their answer will be, then you either ask or don't ask. Yeah. See, I didn't do that. I just asked. You just went right for it. Mm -hmm. Did you ever get turned down? No. Wow. <laughs> Are you lying to me? No. Now, caveat to that, I had the same girlfriend for like three years in high school. Okay, so you obviously knew she was going to say yes. If she said no, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> so anyway, but, the, but today it's kind of funny. It's kind of weird. It's all those things. It's kind of cute. It's kind of not. Are these things called promposals? And mm -hmm. it's basically like this really big deal to ask someone to prom, but you do a whole thing, like make signs or do a skit or... Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's the advent of phones. I don't know if it's just a cultural thing with young people. Anyway, a promposal happened at my house. My daughter got asked to prom, uh, and this I posted this video. It's unbelievable. So, you know, her friend who's asking her to prom gets a horse and friends to dress up... Like a real horse. A real horse and friends to dress up like in the medieval ages uh, to carry this. and then you know so he's asking her well his friend's reading this whole speech in like modern you know like in so the old friend English, is actually doing the asking in old English not the guy but his friend is asking for him well he, he's like doing hear ye hear ye like you are. and then <laughs> and then you know the, the 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 guy who's asking is like gonna pop out and then say you know will you go to prom well in the meantime <laughs> the horse who's being held by a young lady who's petite, nonetheless, <laughs> starts bucking, mm -hmm. throws the girl down. This is all happening in the scene, not meant to happen. And, and, it's, and it's being videoed. And it's being videoed. And then the horse takes off running, runs <laughs> down the street, <laughs> runs through the yard, and, and is off to the races. And they're just watching. This thing got viewed like close to 10,000 times. <laughs> 
It's really hysterical. I actually have seen it. Most of the things when you say, have you seen this? I have not. But I saw this video, and it is hysterical. Yes. Because um, they're just watching. They're like, what do you do? And this horse just takes off. Takes off running. And I wondered, like, whose horse was that? Because I'm sure it wasn't the kid's horses. Mm-hmm. So somebody just lost a horse. Well, they bore the horse from the, the girl, their house. And then here, here's the funny thing is the horse ran all the way home. Like, like to it its knew how home? to get home. It was like a mile wow. away. Yeah. Good for him or yeah. her. Yeah, it's crazy. But I, I don't know what to think about this whole promposal thing. Yeah, what, what is it like a, for you to watch a, this video? A, a cultural thing where it's real innocent. I, I kind of like that all these people are working together. They're kind of friends. They're for mm-hmm. each other. It's kind of like this little, you know, friend group and community. I kind of like that. Like mm-hmm. they're not like... Um, they're having fun, you know, it's innocent, like, like it's just, they're not, you know, although they have a phone, they're filming it, like, they're not asking each other on their phone, like, they're real human about it, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of, like, human element, there's some humor, uh, like, you know, I'd, I'd much rather, you know, a guy ask my daughter to prom face-to-face than, like, through a letter or through yeah. a text message or a direct message on Instagram or whatever the case may be, so it's just weird to me. Nice. But it's fun. So if we wanted to find this video because we just talked about it, and it is hilarious yes. and worth watching, how would we actually find it? Uh, you could probably scroll down my Facebook page. All right. It's so, on there. So look for Paul George. Yeah. I literally had people text me, and they, they had a watch party. Like, they brought people over from their neighborhood, and they put it on the TV. And, like, everybody, you got to watch this. This is hysterical. <laughs> it is hysterical. <laughs> so... <laughs> So anyway, well, did she go to the with, with the guy to prom or what? Yeah, yeah, they went. They're they're good friends. Okay, yeah. So that, that didn't ruin it. No, no, she was a great sport about it. But <laughs> I could see, like in her mind, she's like, "What is going on right now? You know, this is all not supposed to happen this way." So I mean, the little girl gets thrown down on the ground and everything, like holding his horse. It's it's hysterical. No one got hurt. Everyone's fine, and here we are today. Yeah, I, I'm. I wonder though sometimes because. Funny YouTube videos or Facebook videos, we all enjoy them. Right. Um, but I don't know. The advent of that, and some people literally spend hours just watching videos like right. that. I guess like we used to watch TV, so maybe it's not yeah. dif- any different, but right. I don't know. Well, here's the deal. They didn't post the video. Oh. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just couldn't help it. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, you, th- this cannot happen in my backyard, and people not know what just happened. You know, so they they just I guess wanted well, to have memories. You got to post that video. Yeah, but I guess my question is, how much how much should funny videos be a part of our day if we're a healthy Catholic, right? Like, should it be three hours of our day? No. Should it be like five minutes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I well, because and I, this is a silly question, but it's actually a th- a thing. No, it is a thing. Uh, I I don't really know. I think we have to have a really healthy boundaries when it comes to phone and technology because it can really eat up our time yeah and our mind and our heart and our soul like it can it can just carve into every area of our life and so yeah when it's fun or it's engaging or whatever you know we're using the tool for good but i think yeah it could eat up a lot of our space a lot and and look a lot of people are like, oh, millennials, oh, uh, you know, young people, they're always on their phone. And then young I look people. over and, like, there's a 90-year-old grandma on Facebook in the, <laughs> in the aisle in the store. Like, the adults are on their phones, too. Yeah, yeah. More than what they think. They just think they have more control over how they handle it than young people do. But the reality is, is when I look, 
you know, I run into people all the time who literally run into me because they're looking at their phone. Yeah. It's a, you know, a lot of times it's adults all the time. People so, driving with it. It's absolutely crazy. So I'll issue a disclaimer. Go to Paul's Facebook page, watch the video, but then go read a book or play basketball. Share the video with your family, laugh, and then talk about it. Ah, even At better. Dinner. Good, yes. Paul. There you go. All right, so we actually have a cool topic today that we're going to talk about diving into culture today. Culture! Yeah, that's right. So it's Paul George, Adam Conk. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Adam Conk here. Great to be with you. That was an interesting first segment. Yeah. Um, but it leads perfectly into our discussion today. No accident. No accident. So there's this big deal going around, right? Mm -hmm. So if you listen to the podcast, maybe this happened you know, a few weeks ago. Um, but the, the big debate, and it, you know, it's all over, there's people on both ends of the spectrum, is um, this thing called the Met Gala that happened in New York. Um, and the Met Gala is, you know, it's, it's at the, the Met Museum, uh, which has an amazing exhibits there, mm -hmm. right? And so every year they do this Met Gala where people dress and theme, now, not just people, like celebrities. celebrities. It's, like the, it's like the Grammys for fashion and mm -hmm. art, okay, That's in New good, York. Good analogy. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty cool, especially in particular if you're into culture and art. And so, so this year uh, they had a sort of a Catholic theme, basically. And they actually had a display there of Catholic art and, and culture and fashion, which if you look in the history of the church, pretty fascinating stuff, right? Yeah, it was 2,000 years. It's a long time. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, you know, you look at, you know, things that bishops and cardinals and popes wear, and I mean, the, like this, some of it's like really layered fashion, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, John Paul II had, you know, handmade Italian pope shoes. I mean, maybe they're given to them, maybe bought them. I don't know what they cost. I don't know. But like fashion, in a lot of sense, has been a part of the church and the culture, and people look at it. You know, uh, we don't always think about it as Catholics because mm -hmm. we've kind of grown up with it, and we may not even know about it. But if you're a non-Catholic, even if you are, you don't know much, and you look at the church, and you look at the history, the beauty, the churches built, the art, you walk in the Sistine Chapel, St. Peter's Square, or in any cathedral or any church, and then you look at, like, vestments, and you look at, you know, clothing, it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. It's a absolutely, actually, when you zoom out, it's outstanding. Yeah. Okay. So the Met Gala to set it all up, right? They had uh, sort of a, a they had a Catholic theme, you know. So people were dressed up in you know different clothing, Catholic clothing. So the debate is whether or not the church should allow that, or the church should have taken a stance on one or the other. You know, Cardinal Dolan was at the Met Gala. Some people said he shouldn't. Some people said it was great to engage in the culture. And you know, I don't know enough about 
the church in a sense to to pick a side, but I do know this that engaging the culture is part of who we are as Catholics. Essential. Well, and to me, it's one of the central questions of our church in America today is what is the culture and what does it mean to engage the culture? Like this is a central question that there is no period. It really is a question mark because our 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 idea of that in the past was very different than the world is today. So, for example, if we would ask that question in 1100, you know, well, the culture is this right and to engage it means this and we actually did a pretty dang good job around that time right in that setting right well now the world is vastly different so sure. what is culture today right and how do we engage it are, are the big questions yeah you know and john paul ii said it you know i think he he gave the best line about this that we can sort of live by uh is we should be in the culture so he said that but not of the culture Okay, so of of the culture means that the culture uh, tells me how to live and and affects the way that I live. Um, but he says we need to be of the in the culture, meaning that as a Catholic, as a Christian, I need to be able to live and engage in the culture, driven by gospel principles, mm-hmm. but not let the culture affect my moral standing, my 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 beliefs and standards, right? Here's the reality. We can do that, and, and we're called to do that. So if you look at, you know, even in the time of Jesus, when, when the Roman Empire was ruling, uh, the Jews weren't, didn't say, well, you know what we need to do? We need to become Roman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to dress like them. We need to be like them. They, they st- stuck to their culture. Uh, but yet Jesus, through, through the New Covenant, brought the gospel message to all cultures. So he, he began to cross the lines between Jews and Gentiles and said, you know, the gospel, uh, the, the love of God is meant for everyone. Yeah. So how do you do that behind closed doors? How, how do you do that? You just say, you know, as a church, we're just going to lock our doors and just, you know, fall in on ourselves, basically. Well, and that, the root word of culture is the same as cultivate, which mm. is, it's really an action word. Right. Now there is a noun mm. to it in the sense of the product of culture. So, for example, when we do the work of culture, right, there will be a product of that. So we can look to the culture as a product, but we could also focus on the act of culture. And to me, this is what's lost in our dialogue today about culture. So, for example, right. usually the scenario we describe is, you know, cultural wars or take back the culture or um, go against the culture. But really... Those are all aspects of dealing with what we have already. Right. What we really need to be talking about is how does the church do the work of culture? Yes. Right? Like how do we cultivate what's around us and point it back to Jesus Christ? Right. And you look at the Met Gala, I think some of the the tension was what, you know, should Cardinal Dolan have gotten there, gone there. And uh, part of me is like, well, you know, people are asking, what would Jesus have done? Yeah. Right? And so... You know, a lot of people were offended because people were, you know, dressed a certain way. But if you really look the layers into it, it was a celebration of art and culture. And the fact that that the church was present there just says a lot about trying to engage people where they are. Doing the work. Doing the work, right? So they weren't necessarily saying, oh, the way that that woman or man is dressed is correct. 
right. or the way that I would dress or the way that the church would say that we should dress. So they're, they're not, they wouldn't say that, but by, by engaging the culture and being present and being morally upright by, by uh, meeting people where they are really kind of shows that the church uh, is about engaging the culture. Here's what I love about being a Catholic. Uh, in a lot of faiths, in a lot of Christian faiths, uh, and a lot of non-Christian faiths, um, there, there's a real sort of fundamentalist view on culture. It's a black and white. There's a wall up, right? So as, as, as this in our faith, w- we need to hole up over here. What I love about being Catholic is that that's never been the understanding mm-hmm. of the gospel. That the gospel, the church, was always part of the culture in a sense of the way that it loves people and evangelizes. Well, I think you're hitting on a central issue is that as a church, when we tend to one end of the spectrum or the other, yeah. we actually resemble more non-Catholic ways of seeing things. Yeah. And, and it upsets some people when, you know, far right, like the idea that the culture is, is terrible and we need to build an oasis of Catholicism that fights the culture sounds more like evangelical Protestantism of the 20th century than mm-hmm. it does like Catholicism of the past 2,000 years. Right. And I know I'm ruffling feathers by saying that, but and I'm not saying that all those ideas are terrible. What I'm saying is that the Catholic idea is to lead the work. Yeah. So we let everybody do their thing. I mean, look, church history is not going to be defined as to whether or not Jer- Sarah Jessica Parker wears a silly thing to Met Gala. Right. But it is going to be defined by did Catholics be Catholic in that century. Right. Did we act as saints? Did we follow Jesus in this century? So we lead the effort of culture, then the world follows, right? When we are behind and we're not leading the way, that's when everything falls apart. Right. And what I love about the arts, um, the beauty uh, of culture, of music, of painting, is that the church has always been on the cutting edge mm-hmm. in some, some ways. And when it's fallen behind it, it hasn't been fully the church. Exactly. So, I mean, I have a powerful experience in the Sistine Chapel mm-hmm. of art, of beauty. Like, I had a gospel experience, honestly. I can't imagine people who, unbelievers who walk through that art exhibit in the Sistine Chapel and aren't moved, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but move to what? So unless they have a conversation and, and, and the charisma spoken in a sense of like what you're moved to is you're moved to God and his beauty. And that's where the church begins to connect music and art to the culture because we're able to bring the gospel truth into it at yeah. the same time. Well, and I love, I love uh, Monsignor Luigi Giassani's definition of the work of culture. In his view, the work of culture is to look around us and point everything to Christ. Yeah. That's the work of culture. What does the Met Gala have to do with Jesus? To explore that question and answer it is the work of culture, yeah. right? Like what is this, what does the sunrise has to have to do with, with Jesus? What does math have to do with Jesus? Like to explore all these things and connect them to Jesus is the activity the church should be doing in the world. And uh, it has the effect it needs to have. And so... There is nothing off limits in that view, right? Like there's no place where Jesus can't be the meaning of everything. Even when there's sin and dysfunction, well, guess what? There's, the sin and dysfunction of the church is more heinous than the sin and dysfunction without the church, and that will always be the case. Right. Right? Like however, however offensive somebody's dress is, it's more offensive to God 
what goes behind you know goes on in the church behind closed doors a lot of times yeah right like yeah or in no. my own life no, like absolutely. when i offend god in my sin that's more offensive than when someone outside the church you know not all the time but you, yep. you get what i'm saying yep and uh, well i think oftentimes the question is okay then for us as as um as christians as catholics people who are trying to follow christ right how do we how do we really engage the culture and and uh and not let it affect us to the point where it leads us into sin, it leads us into separation from the church. Um, and and how do we, you know, what, what, where are limits? Like, where's yeah. the line? And I think oftentimes people don't know, you yeah. know. So it's like, well, you know, I'm going to go to this party and drink. It's okay to drink, have a couple of beers, but 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 what are you doing? You're engaging the culture, but do you have meaning there? Like, is there, mm-hmm. like, is what's God doing in your life there? How are you representing still the church and the gospel, right? Like, yeah. you know, so, well, you're going to overstep your boundaries. You're going to overdrink or, you know, you're listening to the music, but, but then that music's just leading to worse music. Like, like you gotta have an ability to discern right where that line is. And that's why the work of culture is best done by mature disciples. Right. Because without that discernment, then we end up looking no different than anybody else, just maybe with a Catholic twist, right? <laughs> right? Like, right. And, but okay, but this is the church's gift to the world. Because think about this: where did the even idea of a full-time musician or full-time artist come from? When the church started employing people to paint the Sistine Chapel yeah. or to build the cathedrals, right? Like we invented investing in culture to that degree. Right. But the problem is, is we stopped investing in that degree. Like, in other words, if we want to hire full-time Catholic artists now, it's much harder. We've built a church culture where if you're an artist and a Catholic, to be a full-time Catholic artist, you have to enter the world's way of doing things. Like, you can't exist within the church that way, so you have to do it outside the church, whether you're a musician or a a painter or a filmmaker, right? Like, so I think that's one of the challenges before is, is how do we create a church environment where we actually employ people full-time again to become mature disciples and engage the culture? Yeah, and this topic is, is not something we're just talking about. There's a Facebook page called Catholic Creatives mm-hmm. uh, that's trying to just pull creative types together to support each other. And, and whether those people are creating the arts, music, uh, you know, art, uh, video, film, uh, within the church or outside the church, right? What 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 they're trying to do is support each other in the work of evangelization, no matter what platform God is God is calling people to. So, so important, so important. You know, there are people in the the secular media industry who need to live the gospel just mm-hmm. as much as people who are in the religious media industry, yep. uh, and there has to be a support uh, with one another because, at the end of the day, what engages culture is beautiful art, not bad art. Right, right. Beautiful right. film, not bad film. Uh, beautiful music, not bad music. And when we can create the beautiful stuff, that actually shares the good news of of Jesus, of the church, of the gospel, of God, in a way that we can't always vocalize. Well, I mean, look, the sacraments of the church. There are signs in which God gives grace and changes hearts and changes lives. Right, baptism, confirmation, communion. Well, the product of Catholic culture or Christian culture, the product of the work of culture is little signs throughout the world where God can actually use them, little sacraments, if you will, right? Lowercase s or whatever. But these little moments where people can actually encounter God and his grace in a way 
that directs them to him and could change lives and move hearts. And this is not a if, this is this has happened for two thousand years. Right. But you're right. If it's not if it's not the best we can do, then it's not a true sign of, of, of you know, it's not a true sign of God. Right. If it's not beautiful, God's beautiful. Right. So we can we can look, there's so many people doing great things in cultural engagement, but what I'd hate to see is that because of things like this or situations, we just retreat from the culture or try to form our own little Catholic world over here while you all go do something. Yep. Like that's not that's not gonna work. That's not the work of culture. No, it's not gonna work. And a part of part of my mission of writing this book, Rethink Happiness, is meeting people in the question that they're asking, like the human experience. Mm-hmm. Um instead of we often do is well let me just open up the vault of theology Mm -hmm. and cram it down your throat what i wanted to do is start with the question that people are asking in their very dna and their heart and let's start there because you know pope benedict who's one of the great theologians Mm -hmm. of our time uh, said you know conversion starts with just asking the question am i happy yeah well if he's saying that and we're ignoring that and we're just saying well let's just open the vault of theology you know, of all these, you know, and let me just shove it down people's throat and they're going to have a conversion. Yeah, maybe. But what if we just started with the human experience? Yeah. And started there. Well, he's also a, an expert on culture. And he's talked a lot about the importance of beauty, everything we we're just talking about. Yeah. But that idea, I think, is so key because spreading the gospel is a work. And there's an art to it. And it's not our work. We have a part to play, but it's God's work. It's the Holy Spirit's work. And so when you work with what God has already done in a human heart, the questions that matter to them, um, then you, you can cultivate the type of relationship with Jesus that that person needs and that God's calling them to. But when we're not paying attention to that, it's not the work of me bringing you to Jesus. It's the work of Jesus bringing you to Jesus. I'm just helping, right? right? And I think the culture is the same exact thing. Like when we're faithful to what God's called us to do in the world, whether it's art or academics or uh, plumbing or like whatever God's called us to do out there, right? Outside the church walls. If we're faithful to it, God's actually going to lead people to himself through us in ways we don't know. And maybe that's exactly what Cardinal Dolan was doing there at the Met. He was doing what exactly what Jesus told him. I don't know. Neither do I. But I do know that uh, it made a big impact. People are talking about it. Mm-hmm. And it's not often that in the mainstream media and in the Catholic world, people are talking about you know the same thing the yeah. same thing and so that's when the gospel interesting. you know intersects with the culture so anyway great discussion it's the paul george show we'll be right back the paul george show is made possible in part by our partners at solidarity health share solidarity is the catholic solution to the health care problem are you paying too much for your health care cost solidarity health share is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our catholic beliefs Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. All right, welcome back. Great to be with you, Paul George, Adam Conk. You know, you mentioned the art and culture (laughs) and... You, you brought up plumbing, and I just can't get it out of my mind, the art of plumbing. Have you ever seen a really great plumber? It's beautiful. It is beautiful art. And if you are a plumber, like, seriously, like, 
Rock you can do your thing, but I just couldn't. I was just trying to think of like, what's the beauty of plumbing? There's not much in the actual plumbing that's beautiful, but the art of the work. There you go. Craftsmanship. The craftsmanship is definitely beautiful. Absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, I couldn't get that out, out of my mind. So <laughs> six pack of questions. Question. Question number one. So we talked about fashion today and like yeah. church fashion. Yes. Can what? I can I say a quick story? Yeah. Are you gonna ask the question first? Or? No, you go for it. So I did a conference at the University of Notre Dame, and um, I was there all week. And uh, so in between sessions, uh, like I didn't have anything to do. There was like this back door into like this church, and it went into like underground the church i guess i kind of broke into like a vault whoa and there was an archive of all this history of like pope and cardinal like artifacts clothing and you know miters and shoes and dude i didn't tell anybody but like i spent like hours down there like <laughs> looking at this stuff and i i was bummed that they didn't tell us about it but like i discovered it no and, kidding. And then I ended up telling a couple of people and giving them a tour back wow. in the vault. Sounds like the beginning of an Indiana Jones movie or something. Yeah. But I do think oftentimes, honestly, when it comes to like art and culture, we have such an American view. Like like our history is like mm -hmm. 200 some years old, right? right? So we look at a building or we look at art and like we just have such a very narrow view. You go to Europe and it's like thousand year old mm -hmm. stuff that you're looking at. And I oftentimes think that Europeans have such a better view on art and history. Oh, yeah. And the church has always had a worldview about that because it goes back for so long. You mm -hmm. know? So when it thinks about art and culture, it doesn't think about it through our lenses of Americans. And I think that's how we need to be challenged as Catholics. So we have more of a universal you know, view of the church than we do a very sort of, you know, through our own lenses and mm -hmm. experience of our American Catholicism. America. America. Okay, back to your question. Question number one. Okay. So we talked about church fashion. What was the most, what was the church fashion piece or accessory that you purchased in your life or you rocked for a little while that you kind of regret? So for example, maybe you had a medal that you wore for a while or a, a cool t-shirt or a... Not only regret... Well, I wore a scapular for a while when I played sports, and they get sweat in them. They will ruin your life. Yep. The sweaty scapular. But the thing that I regret the most is the sort of trying to be trendy Catholic T-shirts. Mm. You know? Like, I don't know, something weird. Like, like I'm with Jesus. Or yeah, or like Jesus is my Dr. Pepper or something and has a Dr. Pepper. Was that kid. real? I don't know. It's just kind of <laughs> like people just make up this Dude, stuff. You, and just, then, you just create a new merchandise item for yourself. So I just can't deal with things like that. But I know that probably as a high school student or whatever, I was forced to wear one of those T-shirts, and I regret it. That is something. Yeah. Question number two. So we mentioned uh, the Metropolitan having this art display, and you mentioned having a great experience at the Sistine Chapel. I did. I want you to tell me about this. That's question number two. Tell me about your experience. Well, I come from a small town in America. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're really not taught 
beauty and art much. Like it's just not not a part of things. And and like I said, like our history is not huge, right? And our view of even beauty in churches are only you know maybe it you know you have a church that's a hundred years old, you get the privilege to see. So as a young person, I really didn't experience. And then you know not having the internet or things like anything that I saw with art was just in a book, you know. Uh, so, so when I walked into St. Peter's and then got the tour of the Sistine Chapel, like I just stayed, like I literally just could not stop just sitting and staring and looking because there's so many layers and elements and really, I mean, the depictions of, of the Old Testament, New Testament, everything connected and you can kind of like, but the art and the beauty, I just got lost in it. And I think when you see real beauty, you get lost in it, just like creation. Creation's beautiful. God created something so beautiful. We can have this moving experience. We can get lost in creation. The beauty of, of art is the same way. Music right on, as well. All right, question number three. What is the piece of art that you have produced that you are most proud of? Well, I'm not really an artist, man. Like uh, I, But I do appreciate art people who can do artsy things mm-hmm. draw paint sing do music like i really do have an appreciation for people and i think one of the the things that i love is appreciating people who can do something that i can't mm-hmm. like i really do l- love that about but you, you must know, have some creation thing you've produced in your life that well you're most kids no 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 art that's come on i know it's an art to raise kids but I mean, even if you have to think back to high school or junior high, like I drew this. No, I literally in sixth grade had to do a Mother's Day art project where they put your art piece on a plate and then they made the plate, you know, like in an oven or something. And I got my friend to draw the picture. Like <laughs> I literally could not draw something good enough to put on a plate. So you had a friend draw your Mother's Day gift? Yes. Yes. I don't know where that friend is, but thanks, Casey. Oh. I remember his first name. <laughs> so, uh, I would say honestly, like uh, like my book, if if I can translate maybe art in, into something Absolutely. that, that I can do is, yeah. uh, you know, I'm I'm really proud of the project. Yeah, like it, it is an an art, and I'm not, you know. So anyway, yeah, the your book, Rethink Happiness, which is awesome. Thanks, man. I know I saw you. You had a copy. I keep it, it on and, my desk. You know, uh, yeah. So right on. So there it is. All right. Question number four. So we talked a little bit about engaging the culture, and it's kind of a interesting topic because, you know, when it comes to theology, mostly basic theology, at least like catechism, like we all, it's a point of agreement for Catholics, faith, right? Right. But when we start talking about things like engaging the culture, mm-hmm. even people that agree on, you know, what the Trinity is or whether Jesus is present in the Eucharist might have very passionate disagreements. What's been your experience of kind of navigating those waters as far as like, how to discuss topics with people that you know could could be controversial. Not controversial, that's yeah. the wrong word, but like polarizing. Yes. And what's a prudence in that? Well, we've got to learn to dialogue with people. I mean, I think that's the art that we've lost. Like, we've we sort of, here's where we come into it. I have a stance on something, and I want to get my stance across. And I don't really care about what you think mm-hmm. because I'm right. If you go into anything like that, then then there's no dialogue that happens. Uh, real dialogue, there can be conversion in dialogue. So the more you dialogue about something, the more someone begins to have a conversion. They begin to think differently about what they were thinking, right? 
and they're asking, start asking different questions. And, you know, I, I just think that's amazing. Um, I was with a priest here. I, I spoke at a church and, and he came up at the end and he was talking about, we were talking about conversational catechesis and discipleship, how in the small group setting, when you get people, maybe young people or people who have, haven't been involved in their faith, that the, one of the best and most fruitful ways to present the gospel is just in discussion, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in dialogue. And he's saying that there were a couple of philosophers that actually taught a class, and they were Catholic philosophers, and they would just simply have dialogue in the class. It was on a college campus. And it was during the 60s and 70s of like the, the, the hippie, you know, philosophies and stuff. And he was saying that, that many people in that class had conversions to the faith simply through the dialogue, mm-hmm. you know. So the philosopher was like, hey, I, I'm right. I'm just going to give you the information and you need to believe what I believe. No, I want to engage you where you are in the discussion, meet you there, and let's just dialogue about that. Yeah, so because did, truth right? always rises to the top, always. Yeah. So if you're dialoguing... And you believe and you're presenting the truth, it's always going to rise to the top. You don't even have to argue it. Yeah. All right, question number five. So our topic for today, and or what started our topic, which was the Met Gala, is just one example of many um, my, many of the items that might show up in like Catholic blogs or Catholic opinions or whatever. And a lot of the bloggers or people with strong opinions in the Catholic world are getting a lot of followers and that kind of thing. So my question for you, number five, is what's the art of appreciating people's opinion on things when they when they comment, but also not, I don't know, like, is there something to avoid in like just taking whatever opinion somebody says? Like, wh- how do we actually process all this information and these opinions well? Yeah, that's, that's, that's good, because I think, you know, we might just pick a certain side because we read a good article and we're like, Oh, well they think that. So I'm going to think that. Mm -hmm. And I would say, start, try to think for yourself, like research both sides. And I remember like in our own home, we were talking about the Met Gala, you know, teenagers and, you know, it was a good discussion. And, you know, when Emily came out, there was a couple of people who took one side, they were just mad about it. Mm -hmm. But as more stuff came out and more dialogue began to happen, you saw the conversation in our home change. Oh, it's not what I thought. Oh, I'm beginning to, and so I think like we got to dive a little bit deeper. We got to think for ourselves. Uh, We, you know, we can certainly understand when someone has an opinion, but they're able to have an intellectual thought about it and really explain it in a way that's good. So if you pick a side, I say, if you pick a side, you got to be able to back it up, not just be like, well, this is just what I think. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. All right. Question number six. You. So a lot of us listening this morning might think, man, I haven't been to an art gallery in ever. <laughs> right? I don't even know how to read. Um, no, but we might actually feel a little insecure about our own cultural engagement or cultural awareness. Right. So give me a top do and don't if that's us. Like, okay, I want to become a more culturally aware Catholic. Yeah. Top do, top don't. I don't know. That's so interesting of a question because I'm not, I you know, you're probably more of a creative art musician, obviously, than I am. Like, so you're going to think of it differently. I, I think, you know, the greatest art is when I wake up in the morning and look outside. Like, the art of what God created is so amazing. But I think beginning to appreciate the art of what God can do through people and create one of the things that's changed my view is, you know, studying a little bit of art history of the church, too. Mm-hmm. 
and just seeing like how fascinating and beautiful it is. So maybe for someone who's listening, they've just never even thought about it, but talk about a vault of beauty, like just begin to unpack that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just going to give you such a different side of the church, maybe that you've just never seen. So there's beauty in our teachings, there's beauty in our theology, there's beauty uh, in mass, there's beauty in everything, but there's also a lot of beauty of the church that we've never, never really discovered, and maybe just take some time to do that. Sweet. So that's the top do. What's the top don't? The top don't, uh, you know, the, I think the top don't is is to assume that uh, art only has its place outside of the church. You know, and I think oftentimes, you know, we just, you know, I was talking, I was on the Teresa Tomio show, and she, she was asking me sort of this question about what do you think the biggest struggle is for, for many people of following Jesus. And I said, I think oftentimes it's, we have one foot in and one foot out, you know, so we one foot in in the church and the other foot in in the culture. And we don't, mm-hmm. we don't blend the two together oftentimes, which we talked about earlier in the show. So the top don't is just don't assume that the church doesn't play a role in presenting such beauty to the culture. And don't assume that you don't play a role in bringing the gospel to the culture because you do. Wow. I feel so cultured after this show. You're crazy. Anyway, I'm man, go, I'm gonna go eat some yogurt. <laughs> right? You get it? Culture. I don't. E- I don't even think you're funny anymore. All right. So anyway, uh, great show. Thanks so much, Adam. Uh, it's the Paul George Show, The Art of Living. You can find the book Rethink Happiness on uh, Amazon, Ave Marie Press. Just type it in. It's great read. You can hand it to people. It's a good book about encountering God and conversion. You can find the show, paulgeorge.la, discovertheartofliving.com. Adam, you're the best, and you have taught me so much. <laughs> I think we should keep doing this. Bye.